The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss converting your content into revenue. Joining us is Christina Nicholson, who is the founder of Podcast Clout, which is a software that builds targeted podcast pitch lists to get the exact pitch that leads to tens of thousands of dollars of revenue after one podcast appearance. Christina is also the host of the very popular, very fun Media Maven podcast. Yesterday, Christina and I talked about using podcasts to grow your thought leadership and a lot about how to actually find the right podcasts to pitch. And today we're going to continue the conversation to talk about how you can find speaking opportunities on your customers' favorite podcasts. Okay, here's the second part of my conversation with the media maven herself, Christina Nicholson, the founder of Podcast Cloud. Christina, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ben. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday, we had a great conversation about why podcasts are such an effective marketing channel, about how to find the right podcasts to talk on, and really what's in it for the podcaster. I want to continue that conversation and talk a little bit about the dynamics of pitching podcasters. We talked through how to find podcasts that are relevant. Let's say we have a list of my customer's favorite podcasts. We understand what are the shows that are going to be relevant for us to talk on. How do you actually secure the speaking opportunity? Well, you have to keep in mind that these podcast hosts are being pitched a lot. Sometimes they get hundreds of pitches a day. So you definitely need to stand out. And I suggest even before pitching, Connect with them on social media. Are they active on Twitter? Is it Instagram? Is it LinkedIn? Find their social media platform of choice and start building a relationship with them there. Because when you do that, you will stand out in their inbox. And when you send them an email, you can also send them a tweet and say, hey, I just emailed you. I've done that a few times. I've even gotten clients booked on CNN that way because we are more likely to pay attention to a notification on Twitter then we are another pitch in our inbox. So you have to not just think about sending a pitch and calling it a day. I would connect on social media first. That's one. And two, don't forget to follow up. And I know that sounds so cliche and so boring. And yes, the fortune's in the follow-up. But listen, I can tell you that 60 to 70% of what you will land when you start pitching will be because of the follow-up. 
I think that this is different for every podcaster, so it requires custom work. Maybe this is one of the tools that you have built into Podcast Cloud is understanding how people accept their applications. I'll give you an example. For the MarTech podcast, we have an onboarding form. Everybody fills out the same application. I don't care who you are. Christina, I already knew that you were going to be a guest on this show. I still made you fill out our application because we have a process that evaluates what the content is, evaluates who the speaker is, and then we go and send out our invites. Some people are doing it manually themselves, right? Some people just want to field the email. Some people want tweets. Some people want you to fill out their form. Everyone's going to be a little different. The thing that sticks out in my mind is you said you have to reach out to them in the channels that they are active in. If somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn, that's the channel I'm most active in, I'm probably pretty likely to see it. If you reach out to me on Twitter where I'm really more of a content consumer than an active poster, it's just going to be spam. I don't need 15 different messages to realize that I filled out the application. I think the question every podcaster is going to be a little different is how do you figure out what to say to them to catch their interest and let them know that you're a serious, compelling, and valuable podcast guest? Well, one, yes, in Podcast Clout, we do make note of that. Like, hey, here's Ben's email, but he prefers to be pitched through his online form. So something that I would do, Ben, if I'm pitching to be on your podcast, I would fill out that online form and then I'd find you on LinkedIn. I'd connect with you and I'd say, hey, Ben, connecting with you here. Love your podcast. Just filled out a form to be a guest on your show. So one, you're going to know it's personalized. Two, you're going to know the person is paying attention because they didn't pitch you via LinkedIn or via email. They told you they filled out the form that you prefer. And three, that makes you more likely to both click over to their profile and see what they're about since they just pitched you to be on the show. And also go take a look at the form that they filled out. If 10 people filled out your form that day, that one person is standing out because they made that connection with you on LinkedIn. Yeah, there's a multiple impression thing going on here where you fill out the form. Great, I got 10 forms filled out. There's nothing different. If you do something a little different, you might catch the podcaster's eye I'd still think that there's a, another answer to the question, which is, what do you say? Hey, I filled out your form. Great. Who are you? Why would you be a good guest? How do you actually write compelling copy in your introduction that's going to attract a podcaster and have them see the value of having you as their guest? I think the biggest thing is, why should you be the person to come on my show and talk about this? What makes you different? For example, I get a lot of people pitching me to come on and talk about SEO and all of the pitches are the same. Like they're all the same. Why are you different? Even having the smallest, littlest thing that you think maybe isn't even relevant makes me choose you over somebody else. So like something that I include in my pitches is that I'm a mom and I built this business working from home with three kids. It's just something that's a little different. And sometimes if I'm pitching a podcast host who is also a mom, then that makes me stand out to her for that reason. Maybe I'm from Ohio and you're from Ohio or you're a Buckeye too. I'll add that in the pitch. Just something that gives us some kind of common ground, which again, could or could not be relevant to the topic that you're pitching, but it's something that makes you different. I think having great case studies, having good stories makes you stand out. I also think if you have listened to the podcast and you have listened to the podcaster and maybe you 
took some advice or you implemented some strategies from that specific show and you mentioned that, that will 100% increase your chances of being a guest on that show. Because again, that's different. That's not something that everybody else is saying in the email. So yes, have your pitch, share your expertise, but why you? What is something you have that nobody else has? I'm going to add one more thing. How can you serve as a marketing channel for the podcast? It is not just, hi, Ben, I'm an expert in SEO. I am running the world's biggest SEO agency as a mom from Ohio with three kids. And I'm a specialist with 15 years experience. And I just did this white paper on this topic. I'd love to talk about it on your podcast. And I think your audience would love it. It is also... I also have a following in these three channels of this side and would love to actively promote the content. That's one of the things that podcasters care about. And I know it might sound superficial, honestly, like in an ideal world, and this is just me, don't email me, don't reach out to me on LinkedIn, don't reach out to me on Twitter. I appreciate that you care about the show and that we want people that are guests on the show. That's nice. What I care about is what's the topic you're going to cover and how much reach do you have? What audience are you able to help us market with? Because it's a business and our guests serve as a marketing channel. So including that in your outreach is also something that's very useful. And for the record, Christina, I'd love to come on your show. I've been to the horseshoe. I'm not necessarily a Buckeye fan. Does that make a difference? (laughs) The fact that you just said horseshoe. Yeah, you can do it. I know a little Ohio. You know enough. You can come on. (laughs) In fairness, I'm a huge college football fan. And if you said you were from Michigan, I I would have said the big house. But okay, you're uninvited. You can't come now. Oh, shit. What did I do? What did I do? You got to be careful of not giving too much information. All right. So Christina, you're doing the initial pitch. You have to do some outreach, some follow-up as well. What's the right amount of follow-up? How do you follow up? What's too much? When do you give up? I used to follow up with people until they told me to piss off. I use Boomerang. If you're not using Boomerang, you are missing out on life. I don't even, what is Boomerang? Oh, Ben, I'm about to change your world. It is an extension for Gmail And it is basically your reminder to follow up. So if I'm sending you, say I'm pitching you today, I'm using your form, but I'm still going to send you an email and I'm telling you, Hey, I sent a pitch to be on your podcast. Let me know what you think, whatever. Obviously you're going to word it better than that. But then I click on my little boomerang and it will say, if this person does not respond, send it back to me in one week. So that's why it's called boomerang. It comes back to you. So I will set that boomerang to come back to me in one week. And basically what it looks like is another, it's, it's an email in my inbox. And that's my reminder to open the email, hit reply and send a follow-up. And I'll follow up with you saying, hey, just want to make sure I'm not lost in your inbox. So I used to do this to people. And then the second time I can say, come back to me in two weeks. Or you can say exactly what day and time you want that to come back to you. So that's your reminder to follow up. You don't have to put it in the calendar. You don't have to make a note. It literally just shows back up in your inbox. Yeah, I don't use Boomerang. I have a CRM where I'm going through my emails at the end of the week and marking what the next steps are for our business development and a bunch of our outreach as well. Whether it's Boomerang, you know, we use Pipedrive for our CRM, you need to make sure that you're setting dates and times to follow up appropriately. You mentioned that you used to follow up till somebody told you to piss off. Now you're doing something different. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. 
Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about how many emails. Talk to me about the cadence. Let's give some actionable tips here. I'm not following up till people tell me to piss off anymore. I think that's too much. And you don't need to now. (laughs) Well, and you can also see, I also have recently installed another one of those fun extensions that tell me if somebody has opened the email. So it's very different if you can see somebody's opened it, not opened it at all. Maybe they opened it 10 times. So if somebody has opened it multiple times, they're not getting back to you. They're not interested, but still, I think it's common courtesy to let somebody know if they have repeatedly followed up with you. And I think it's safe to say after three or four follow-ups, it's time to switch it, change it, rearrange it. So I'll go maybe a follow-up three times, which would be four emails total. I'll switch it. I'll change the subject line. I will change the pitch totally, but I won't do it right away. You don't want to spam people. That's where you can kind of get into this territory if you're sending the same thing over and over again. So just change it, change the angle, change the headline, take a break for a couple of months before you go back to that same person. And then when you talk about cadence and length, please keep it short, people. The last thing I think any of us want is another email in our inbox. So keep it short, sweet to the point. There are ways. I mean, obviously the pitch is going to be a little longer than the follow-up because you want to share some things, but hyperlinks are there for a reason. Something that I always include in my pitches are, I've also been a guest on this podcast, this podcast, and this podcast, and I link to those episodes. I always let people know I'm going to share the episode on social media. You can see those links in my signature. So there are ways to shorten up an email. I also, when I send emails, I give every sentence a new line because it makes it a little easier to read and it makes it not appear as long. But yeah, the follow-ups, they're usually shorter because I don't want to repeat myself too much. I don't respond to the follow-ups. You don't? Maybe that's just me. No, I, I don't have time. I get what 20 inbound requests for guests every week. And then each one of those PR reps is following up two to three times. It's like, that's 60 emails I would have to reply to. Forget it. I just, I don't respond to any of the follow-ups and it is not anything personal. In my email, when somebody says, I'm interested, I say, great, fill out the form. It will take us one to three weeks to get back to you if we're going to schedule you as a guest. But then they follow up and say, can we be a guest? I've already addressed that 
we're going to get back to if we are. I just don't. It's too much email volume for me to actually go through the follow up. And it's not trying to be rude. There's just there's only one of me and I actually manage my inbox. Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, for me and this is when I'm doing business development for sponsors for the podcast, I have a three email rule, three follow up rule. I send my initial email and this is with any any step of the cadence. Hey, I want to be a guest on your podcast. Here's why. I Here's my pitch. Second email, three to four days later. Hey, I just wanted to bubble this back up in your inbox to see if you're interested. Here's my pitch again, or my pitch is CC'd below or included below. The third one is some sort of a case study or additional point of validation. Hey, just wanted to bubble this up. I want to let you know that you wouldn't be the first podcast I've been a guest on. Here's some of the list of other podcasts that I feel were really compelling, you know, and give a little bit more data. And then the fourth email is, hey, I just wanted to follow up one last time. If you're interested in having me as a guest, I would absolutely love the opportunity. But if you're not, please let me know. So I know not to continue to fill your inbox. And that's really the shit or get off the pot email. That's actually what I have it called in my CRM. And then after that, look, they haven't responded to four emails. If you're sending them every three to four days, you're two to three weeks in, they're not going to get back to you. Or if they do, they're going to get back to you when they get around to it. That's my approach to doing business development outreach. And I think it's relevant for podcast guesting as well. Agree. My approach is the same because, yeah, like you said, after three or four times, they're either, like you said, they're going to shit or get off the pot. I think, too, with the way you handle the form, I think that's great because you're telling them no need to follow up. I got it. So I think not responding to them after you tell them that, that's not inconsiderate at all. They're just not listening. <laughs> we should actually send, when somebody fills out the form, a follow-up email saying, thank you for submitting the form. You don't have to email me directly to follow up. But there's another step there. And I'm probably being a little rude, but it's purely just that's the hour that I'm reserving for my kids, not managing my inbox. It's a personal decision. No, it makes sense. Ben, I have a question for you. I'm curious to know. So people send you an email, you send them to the form. How often do people go to the form and fill it out versus not after you tell them, thanks for the email, but use the form? I can actually give you real data on this because when someone emails me saying, hey, here's my pitch, I have a template. I use a service called Mixmax, which is what tells me if somebody opened my emails, but they also have these great templates. So when I'm sending a template, my inbound guest speaker reply, and this is for the MarTech podcast, 96% of the time people will open the email and 84% of the time they will click on the link to get to the form. So I'm assuming if they get to the form, you know, it's a, let's call it 75% of the time, at least they're going to fill it out very rarely, if not 100%. So we're looking at 84 out of 100 times people are getting to the form. So it's probably 75, 80 out of 100 of the people that email me saying, I want to be a guest, they actually fill out the form. It's the vast, vast, vast majority of people. That's good. And your form isn't obnoxious. Like it's not super long. Mine's not. I also have a form because I like to be organized and that keeps everything in one place. I have seen some where the forms are so long that it's almost like, okay, this is quite the task to apply to be on this podcast. Yours is very like, what are you going to talk about? What's the value? Why you? Okay, great. Some forms just go 
beyond. And it's like, okay, I'm not even going to apply to be on this podcast anymore. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it a proctology exam. (laughs) The reason for what's on our form, basically it's everything that I need to quickly write the introduction. So for example, Christina, you know, for this podcast, I showed up in the office four minutes before we started recording. And what I had to do in those four minutes was take my template for writing my introduction and I'm cutting and pasting name, title, topics. I have to write one line of copy about what we're talking about for this given day. But basically, you've already filled out everything I need to get into the description of the podcast. And then the other things that we're taking information about is what are your social profiles so we can then go do our homework on who are you and what's your potential reach. Where we actually have a blind spot is, do you have an email list? You know, How big is that email list? Are you actually going to do promotion? We're really just looking at what your company and your personal social handles are. And then we plug that data into an algorithm and that sort of spits out, hey, here are your best potential guests and we organize all of our inbound requests based on what's your syndication and then I'm scanning through to look to make sure that the topics are relevant and so I used this actionable stuff from your podcast like maybe that catches my eye but chances are you know I'm not paying too much attention to the inbound inquiries because I get so many of them I can't manage each individual request it's like half my inbox during the week anyway so that's how we think about our podcast onboarding process. There is a method to the madness, people. Yeah. And, and, you know, for us, we try to be data driven. That's really it. And like, there is really no way to quantify the like, I am really a guest and I really love your podcast. That's hard for us to figure out. And so, yeah, some of the times when somebody's in my LinkedIn saying, hey, I was a guest, I filled out your application. I love your podcast. I've been a listener for this long. You know, here's the episodes I liked. When I'm going through on the, you know, once a week, when I'm picking out who our next sets of guests are, that stuff sticks in my mind sometimes. I love it. Very strategic. Thank you. Well, we try and we're trying to be data driven. All right, Christina, I guess the last question I have for you today, you've been on some really high profile podcasts. You mentioned you were on the Pat Flynn podcast, one of my favorite. That thing is a juggernaut. It's huge. I'm sure Pat Flynn is not reading every guest application himself. That's too much. How do you get promotion or get placement on some of the biggest podcasts? Or you mentioned CNN and some of these other mega global platforms. I can actually, I mean, I've been on Pat's podcast a couple of times. If it's helpful, I can share the exact pitch that got me on his podcast the first time. And when I was on his podcast the first time, I mean, I didn't even have a PR agency. I called myself a professional freelancer at the time. So if you want to get that, you can head to podcastclout.com slash Pat. And I'll show you the exact pitch that I sent, the follow-up, because if I didn't send the follow-up, it wouldn't have happened. And I actually walk you through what happened before, during, and after, because it's all relevant. That'll probably help people listening just to see exactly what happened from start to finish. But I think it's all about finding what makes you different, why your expertise is relevant, make sure the audience is right for it, and let the host know like, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to just steal your airtime for my own personal gain. All right. So there's a way that people can see your pitch, but the point is make it personal. Talk to people about what they're going to be getting from you as a guest. That's really the secret sauce. Be persistent. Don't be overly persistent. 
And Christina, we're going to bring you back to talk about how to monetize and make the most out of those podcast interviews. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Christina Nicholson, founder of Podcast Clout, for joining us. In part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Christina and I are going to talk about how to monetize your podcast guest appearances. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Christina, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Christina All Day, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-A-L-L-D-A-Y. Or you can visit her company's website, which is podcastclout.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.